Paul. We hit the record button. We wait for it to turn green. And when we do that, we go ahead and open up with the uh, opening segment. It's loud. Yeah, plug your ears. It's just, it's just noisy. So just be prepared. It's like being in a rave. Here you go. It's going to yell at you. Here it is. Here it is. It's going to be. Wake. Everybody wake up. Get those words! Well, good morning, everyone. If you weren't awake, you should be now because we just hit your alarm clock on bid time. It's time for Bid Nerds, your daily nerd out on the most interesting cars of the day on Cars and Bids. Bring a trailer, P-Car Market, uh, Hemmings, Rad for Sale, and whoever else has an auction site, all the automotive enthusiast auction sites. We look for the most interesting cars of the day so you don't have to, and we nerd out about them. Hello, everybody. My name's John Polnick, as well as my host... Uh, and partner Michael Deeb over there. Uh, hello, Michael Deeb. Good morning. Good morning, JP. You excited? Today's the third Nerd Tuesday. Absolutely. Let's we got to mix right, it up a little bit. Let's get him right in here, so he's not just like, "On, am I going to be on the show? What are you doing? Why did he? Why am I logging in here?" <laughs> there he is, Paul Kramer from Auto Kennel. Look at that. We have someone who actually knows yeah. what he's talking about for a change on the show. Hey for guys, sure. thanks for having me. Morning, Paul. Morning. Paul, I like that you've stepped up your uh, background game. I think the last time you were on the show, uh, you were showing off the shop. Uh, it was. But it, it was kind of vertical. We didn't let you know that it wasn't on Instagram, so you're just kind of like wandering around. Now it looks like I, – I was. you told me that this is just what your desk looks like, but I thought you like built a set specifically so you could be on the Nerds. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> no, this is uh, just you. the crap – this is just the crap behind my desk. The crap behind his desk. He's got a door off the pink pig 917, and he calls it crap. Look at that thing. Yeah. Hope there's no... That was a, I mean... That's awesome. That was a birthday present. That's such a great present. So if there's an earthquake and uh, you're crushed by the door of a 917 pink Porsche, pig. that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, I don't think, right? It only weighs like uh, two pounds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> so you're saying in order to be uh, to die by that thing, your wife would have to come in there and beat you over the yeah. head with it repeatedly? Yeah. Uh, pretty much, if she doesn't, yeah. hasn't already. All right. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, I try to keep uh, blunt and sharp objects away from anywhere near my wife and I. But uh, other than that, <laughs> it's all good in the hood. Uh, good morning. Hey, seriously, Paul, thank you for being here on such short notice. Uh, this is going to be fun. Um, we're going to go over what we do on the show is we nerd out on all these cars that we pick, uh, you know, because there's hundreds of cars for sale every day on all these auction sites. And it's really kind of, it's fun to go through them, but sometimes it's a little taunting. So we just get right to it. We find the most interesting cars of the day, uh, and then we nerd out about them we talk about them we talk about our experiences with those cars and then we get to the nitty-gritty which is uh the rubber that hits the road the price what do we think that these cars will actually sell for when the hammer hits the sound block at the end of their prospective auctions each day every car that we talk about uh, today are cars that will be uh their auctions will end within hours of our show sometimes during the show uh, but we always start the show with a quick recap of the last show and our predictions from that show uh, to see how poorly we do regularly we really aren't good at at this uh let's just make that clear don't take our advice we don't know what we're talking about you might want to take paul's advice we actually have an expert someone that you 
Good bank on. Uh, but uh, Deeb and I, not so much. All right, Deeb, what were the cars that we talked about? Last time, we didn't do a show yesterday. We did a show on Friday. So Friday, you, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, it's been a minute. So uh, on Friday, JP, I think our star car, if I remember correctly, was the 2010 Porsche Cayenne GTS. Uh, so this was a white example and the last year of the E1 platform. Uh, the GTS gets you, uh, I can't remember, I think it's a huge 4.8 liter V8 that makes like 405 horsepower and somewhere around 370, 375 pound foot of torque. Our car was not a six-speed manual, so it was not something that JP was going to buy, but it was in beautiful condition despite having close to 100,000 miles on it. Uh, So we wondered how well this car would do on BAT, Uh, and we were pretty close. I said 22,000 JP, your guess was 20 grand, uh, and this car sold for 21,000. $208, $208, meaning I beat you by $208. What do you think of that result? Paul, what do you think of that result? I think that would go with your GT3 right there, man. I think you need that thing. Yeah, I, I've always liked the, the Cayennes, and I'm excited that they're doing all the safari off-road stuff with them. But I just it's been so long since we've got one to sell because for the longest time, they weren't worth much. Right. And, and they still, are, I think, are pretty good value buys. So... Um, it seems like to me the, the one to get with those is the manual, but they're just so darn hard to find. Yeah. You know, if you don't, if you can't get the manual, definitely find one with a PDCC or whatever it is. Uh, the, the dynamic control, you know, I, I have a turbo that is just unreal. I, I knew that it was something else and I had ridden ones with, with that, uh, option. Uh, but having one and driven, driving one in anger, uh, oh my gosh, they are just so much fun, even with the Tiptronic. Um, and you know, I mean, whether or not it's a GTS or a turbo 400, pa- uh, 400 horsepower is enough to make, uh, this heavy pig, uh, get out of its own way in a hurry, um, and get around a track and get around a corner, uh, like you're in some kind of GT car. It really does make your mind go, what is happening here? Um, but this one does not have either, not a manual and not a PDCC. So, uh, 21 grand is pretty strong for this thing. It kissing a hundred thousand miles. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, we don't see them in white too often, but a, yeah. a nice GTS with the 21s, a clean uh, clean car kind of belies its miles. That's a decent result. That's pretty fair. We've seen them go, you know, $15,000, $16,000. So the fact that this one brought 21 on BAT, I think that kind of makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, All right. What, what else did we talk about uh, on Friday? So, that was so long ago. Hemmings Auto News offered us a 1974 914 with a 2.4 liter motor in it and this car had been basically kind of stripped out to be an autocross toy uh that looked by all accounts to be owned by a woman who had fabulous uh fuchsia purple nails that uh in the video that matched the exterior of the car uh but what we're looking at is a car that's got its suspension done it's got a prototypo steering wheel or some other aftermarket steering wheel uh racing bucket seats and um clearly somebody used this as a as a track toy so we wondered how well a 914 with a specific genre in mind would do on Hemmings Auto News, which we don't think is strong for Porsche. So I said 17, JP, you said 16. This car was bid to $18,000, failed to sell, remained in their premium classifieds at 25300 and then sold a couple hours later in the day at $20,475. So... The fact that it brought twenty grand on Hemmings, I'd say, is pretty good. What do you think, John? 
Yeah, you know, one of the things I always appreciate about uh, our guest, Paul, is, you know, he's been on the scene selling Porsches at his dealership, Auto Kennel, and, you know, you kind of made a brand out of really good photography and really consistent photography uh, and making sure that the cars are represented well. This car was not represented well. These photos are awful. Uh, It's really difficult (laughs) for me to understand what the heck is going on here, and it just makes me pass over on the car. It appears that there's a lot of things to like about about this car, but I, I'm not even taking an extra second to really get into it because I don't care. The The ad just makes me think that the seller doesn't care. Uh, so why the heck should I? Paul, what do you think? Uh, it's, that's the number one problem. I think that's why Bring a Trailer has really, you know, kind of soared because they're forcing everyone or at least motivating everyone to take really good pictures and photos. And even I used to take my own photos until probably three or four years ago and realized a professional was better at taking the photos for uh, the cars we're listing. But I mean, just the ones where you've got part of the car chopped off, um, her legs in the background. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's just, like you said, JP, it just kind of screams, I don't care. And I look at this car, and if this car is straight and dry, and depending on what the 2.4 is, I mean, you you get rid of those ugly Corbo seats, you put on Mm -hmm. some cool steel wheels, and you've got a looker it might be a really good car but like yeah. i said i i would just be out with just the photos yeah you just yeah. you want people when you're creating an ad for one of these auction sites or a classified ad you want people to go oh wow that that is the best version of whatever it is this person's selling you don't want them to go oh this is just some whoever's selling this is you know what do they inherit it they're just throwing it. they just don't care it just it looks <laughs> like it's yeah okay let's move on what else did we talk about last friday <laughs> All right, JP, we jump over to P-Car Market. Our dear friends out there in New York uh, sourced for us a 1957 Porsche 356A Speedster replica. Now, it's been a few days, but if I remember correctly, this was built on a 1960s Volkswagen chassis, and I think it had a 1900cc motor. Uh, It was a good-looking car, uh, but we wondered how well even a nice Speedster replica would do on P-Car Market. So I ventured a guess uh, that was pretty high. I said $36,000. You went higher still and said forty grand. Uh, and, then, and then it came to reality that this was on a bad platform for a car like this. The car was only bid to $25,000. And the last I checked remains available in their de- deal tank at an asking price of $35,000. So platform, 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 JP, this was a really nice looking Speedster replica. Wouldn't this have brought your 40 grand had it been on BAT? Even replicas are bringing in the 40s on BAT. And, uh, you know, look, if you're if you have a replica Ferrari built on a Datsun, P car markets your place. Uh, But if you want to, yeah, they'll sell you $50,000 to some jerk on Long Island. Uh, But a nice looking uh, Speedster replica. uh, Forget it. I mean, to not get 25 is P car market. You guys should be so embarrassed. Uh, Paul, what do you think of this thing? You know, I think. I mean, the challenge is there's a lot of replica speedsters available on the used market. There seems to always be dozens. Uh, we're near Vintage Speedster, which builds a really nice one. Yeah. And and you can get, I think the problem is you can get a decent one in the 30s when you get offering a trailer and start digging around on eBay and Hemmings. And you're going to have to go look at them because they're all kind of all over the place. Yeah. But the problem with this one is besides the platform and it's kind of the basic motor that you get with a replica spider but i think red is i mean i know if for the for clients buying real speedsters they don't want red Mm. and 
this looks like it was built in the eighties. Um, the interior looks like it was inflated, you know, kind of like interior <laughs> by Stay Puft. <laughs> so I mean, here's the th- it goes back to the thing is like it may be a good car, but it, you know, people will pay for color and curb appeal, and this car really doesn't have either. So yeah. I'm not surprised. I'm not. I mean, I think on a right platform, it would have got to the thirties. I don't think it would have got much more than that. Yeah, I don't know. I, as far as speedster replicas go, this one's pretty decent. I mean, it actually has a top that actually like functions, which who really cares? I'm with you on the color. If it were white or beige or silver or something silver. like that, that would have been really nice. The gauge package is decent. It had the kind of cool Grimond, uh, you know, badge on it. It had some details that a lot of the replicas you don't see have on it. And usually they have 1600 engines. So this one having a 1900 means it has a little bit of poop. Um, but if not a lot of poop, I mean, this thing probably only weighs the, 1800 pounds. I think the nail in the coffin with this car was, I just scrolled down looking at it was the rebuilt title. I mean, yeah, that'll do it. I gotta tell. I won't touch a car with the rebuilt title. It just makes it much more difficult. It's true. And too many over hurdles to overcome. Yeah, and I'm surprised they actually, unless the rebuilt title happened while this was a replica. But if it happened as a '67 bug, um, then why did they even bother with this one? Yeah. yeah, it's not like 67 bugs are expensive uh, to get as a source car, as a base car in the first place. So why not start <laughs> with a clean title or, you know, or or have it uh, titled as a kit or something like that? I mean, I d- there is an appeal to having the car uh, registered as a 67 bug because it's a lot, e- a lot easier to register in some states. Uh, some states, if it's a kit car, um, or special construction or whatever, then they want an inspection and they want to do all kinds of stuff. Whereas if it's just a 67 beetle, whatever, here you go. Here's yep. your title moving on. So all it's right. also hard to export like with, uh, with a specialty construction title, if you mm. want to export out of country. Yeah, do you ever, yeah. I mean, do many people export, or, I mean, is, is, a, is a Speedster replica something that someone from another country would bother with uh, exporting yeah, abso- to their country? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Some countries will, like Germany and UK are a little bit tough, mm. but like I think Belgium and some of those other countries are okay with it. But we've had some replica Speedsters that in California were registered under the uh, SPB 100 law, which allows so many of these to be registered without, you know, smog exemption a year. Right. And the title just says 000 for a year, and we can't get it through customs. So, oh, uh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Brutal. All right. All right. A couple more cars, JP, and we're almost done here. We had a 1978 Porsche 924. This is the one, the gray car that had like the turbo front end grafted on. Um, you know, nice car, but these early 924s with 110 horsepower don't have a big market or big demand. Uh, so I said 9,000. You smartly, JP, took the under at 8,500. Uh, our car sold at just $7,024. Uh, not really a surprising result. There's not a lot of car there. Uh, and then our last car, JP, was the 1999 Mercedes-Benz S500 Grand Edition. Um, I keep offering these things up because i i just remember them being really special cars my first year in the car business was 1999 at a mercedes dealership um and so we had a couple of these that would come in for service uh and we probably sold one or two in the used car department and i just thought they were spectacular um and i keep thinking nice ones are going to bring real money this was about the nicest one i've i've offered up for us to review uh, and I said 29, you said 25, and the car sold for 22. So there you go. Um, these things remain a screaming deal in the secondary market. This car was really, really nice. Uh, and it didn't even break 25,000 bucks on VAT. So there's just not a market for 
this generation. I think was it Paul the W one twenty nine chassis? Am I doing that right? Mm, I can't remember. I, yeah. I remember wagon chassis and the early yeah. chassis numbers. <laughs> yeah. Um, these yeah. cars. I mean, I think the problem with sedans with Mercedes is no one really cared in the sec. It was always grandpa or dad's car. So yeah. wagons got cool. One twenty threes got cool. Maybe these will get cool in a decade. Maybe. Know. Well, see. Black interior, know. and this could have been cool. It's just, a, a, you know, unfortunately, this is not a bad guy car. Any car that could be the bad guy car in a movie can be, is is a car that has potential for collectors or for people to, you know, young people to want them. But if it has a beige interior, all beige with a beige dash, bad guy would never drive this thing. It's just not. So forget it. It's out. It's just out. If you could swap out the interior easily, that'd be one thing, but that wouldn't be worth it because, I mean, why would you do that? It's a S500. All right. So that was uh, yesterday. Well, that was last week's cars. Uh, those were the numbers that we predicted. And you, as you can see, Michael Deeb and I have no clue what we're doing. So <laughs> take, the only advice that you should be taking right now is to hit the uh, subscribe, the like, and the notification button. We do this show Monday through Friday live on the old YouTubes. So uh, a lot of times, if you're not watching the show live and you come to our channel and you want to see the freshest bid nerds, that is the least stale bid nerds, and you don't want stale bid nerds, that's just bad. Uh, you want to hit the notification <laughs> button because YouTube will let you know about the freshest bid nerds. If you don't have the notification button, sometimes it takes YouTube up to like three, four hours to populate our channel with the latest show. So make sure you hit the notification button so you get the little email or the little prompt up in the corner that lets you know that there's new bid nerds to watch all right so let's get to today's cars michael deeb the big car of the day is that ferrari because all right ferrari right i mean yeah we're we got putting, paul we're, here so ferrari yeah we're putting yeah we're putting paul on the hot seat and ask him if he knows anything about no italian sense cars at all. <laughs> paul you ever yeah, owned a we, you ever owned a panini maker <laughs> <laughs> no i have not uh we we usually sell maybe two or three ferraris a year or, or yeah you know half a dozen italian cars alphas yeah um, i enjoy them i i I don't think I would be an owner of one, but I, I do like getting them once in a while. I, the problem is I don't fit. I'm not built like an Italian. I am short yeah. legs. I've got like the, the lower torso of a midget and mm -hmm. a upper torso of a basketball player. So when I get in a mid-engine <laughs> Ferrari, my head is yeah. right up against the windshield. Yep. My belly's, you know, basically squeezing through the steering wheel. Yeah, because your feet are close enough to the pedals. Yeah, I, I look like yeah. a walrus in a car. It looks horrible. <laughs> so it's no. funny you know what what we see with, i resemble uh, that remark yeah me too this car <laughs> the cars from this era uh, sometimes the value is predicated on how recent the belt services are done is that uh, fair to say i mean that's always been my experience that a car that's had a belt service from five years ago the equal car that had a belt service uh the same year uh, that it's offered for sale will usually command a small premium i yes that's normally the case i mean what i've learned is these and actually i think the 355s are, are one of the more expensive uh cars to work on um mm. and you know i think i i talked to matt fair about his 348 or 32080 bot and it had receipts of belts being done and the service wasn't actually done oh. and so when people ask me about buying cars on auction my fear is there's a high motivation, like you mentioned, Michael, to yeah. say the service is done, to even doctor receipts. Yeah. And I mean, this is a lot of money for someone. And I would just think that they would want to have someone look at it. A good mechanic could look at it quickly and see if the services are done. Um, 
but it's not the end of the world. It's you know, it's just money. Money, yeah, it's, it's money. Real well, money. hold on. So, I mean, that's that's actually a really interesting point because one of the things about when when it comes to buying a car on an auction site, it's a lot different than buying a car on a classified ads or uh, from a dealership where you reach out to a a seller and say, I'm interested in your car in order to move to the next step. I'd like to have the car uh, undergo a pre-purchase inspection. That makes sense. You have a one-to-one relationship with you and the seller. You kind of know that if you're interacting with the seller, that you're kind of the person that's next in line to get that car. That seller knows that if you're going to go ahead and pony up for a pre-purchase inspection, that you're a serious buyer. So the sellers are likely to say, yeah, okay, take it to a mechanic, go through that process. The buyer, you in this case, uh, pays the three, four, five hundred $500 for that pre-purchase inspection. And then once the inspection's done, you say, okay, based on these results, here's a price. Everyone agrees on a thing. Boom, you move on. When we're talking about an auction site, you're, you don't have a one-on-one relationship with the seller. You have the, you're basically competing against a bunch of other people. And the only thing you're competing against is, is straight up price and you don't know if you're going to buy the car so why would you pony up the three to five hundred dollars and the time and the expense and the difficulty of having the car go through a pre-purchase inspection when you don't even know if you you're really going to yeah, be the I buyer mean, of the thing you hit it jp that's the dilemma people ask me all the time i i guess if i mean i bought one car at auction and that was strictly because that car did not exist anywhere else and that was the last place I wanted to buy it. <laughs> right. But for the, but it was my only choice for clients that um, asked me about buying cars at an auction. I just recommend see if you can get someone within that seven days to go look at the car. You're not going to get it to a shop. You're not going to want to pay for a PPI and just lose it. But you you want to see if someone can go look at the car and just see if it looks as good as the guy says. Look at the receipts. Yeah. Look at mm-hmm. stuff. I, it's still scary. And the, and the problem with this car is, and this blows me away. And we haven't even introduced minor... the car. Hold on. I know. My favorite uh, thing to do, Paul, to piggyback on what you're saying, though, is to stick my nose in the cabin of the car. That tells yeah. me so much. But uh, what we're talking about here, our subject car is on Bring a Trailer. It's a 1998 Ferrari 355 Berlinetta. This is a 25,000-mile example offered to us out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. This is a six-speed manual car, uh, which is key because uh, these cars we've seen are uh, really skyrocketing in value. We've even seen 355s bring as much as $150,000 and $180,000 with a manual transmission above their single-clutch F1 gearbox counterparts, which uh, can be had for less than hundred grand all day long. Now, it is interesting to note, and we will debate this in just a minute, that the Carfax uh, reports that this car um, was involved in a uh, small sideswipe collision on the front of the car. Uh, I don't think a lot of damage was done. It was moderate, no airbags, uh, but it is on there. Uh, so you, one would wonder if the extra finicky Ferrari market would find this as a, uh, as a reason to hold it back from, from true value. Uh, And I would say that right now the prognosis is good for this consigner because we're sitting at $115,000 with an hour and a half to go. Um, And I would venture a guess, you know, just loosely that this is around a $130,000 car. So uh, I think this guy looks like he's poised to do really well and get a proper, you know, a proper retail value for this example. Uh, Paul, what do you think? You know, it's, I mean, I'm blown away that the bidding's even where it's at with, and it's not just a windshield or minor incident in Carfax. It says minor 
to moderate. And then he talks about a whole side having to be repainted. And right. these cars are really fragile and they don't do well with really any kind of bump. And I think it's, I mean, the, the plus side about the Carfax stuff, it used to be if, if anything had a Carfax report, because Carfax would just say accident and it, yeah. you, you had no idea, everyone would run for the hills. Now they kind of tell you, is it damage? Is it an accident? Is it minor? So it, it does make it a little easier. But when it says moderate damage and the car has been painted, I'm, I mean, the, the thing about this car is it's a Berlinetta and it's a manual. And those yeah. are the, the holy grail. And this is sort of becoming like the 993964 of the Ferrari world. I mean, yeah. they, they were really sleepy. Everyone woke up to them. Right. And and I think I think it's going to go for high 30s. And it, it kind of makes me want to puke because I well, don't think let, it's let's, that. Well, let's go to the numbers then. Uh, yeah. Michael Deeb, where do you uh, think it's going to land? I think this car is actually going to achieve 135,000. So I'm kind of right there with you, Paul. It looks like uh, the Ferrari market uh, on these manual cars is forgiving, you know, uh, something that, like you said a few years ago, would have left this car stranded. It doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. And JP, you've been saying exactly that, that, that the car faxes don't matter as much as they used to. And I think Paul's given us evidence to suggest that in most cases, Carfax is trying to report what happens so that the buyer can have a better sense and make an informed decision. Paul, what's your number? 139. 139. Yeah, I'm going to go above both of you guys. Uh, I'm going to go 140 just because these cars are hard to find. It's still a six-speed manual, and um, the the crusty old Ferrari pleated pants, white socks, uh, boat shoes guy is not the one that's buying these cars anymore. Uh, you know, they're not the guys that are sitting around with the lawn chairs next to the car. They're the guys that, I mean, a lot of young guys are getting into these things, and they're wrapping them with vinyl, and they're lowering them. They're putting three-piece wheels on them and all that this crazy stuff. Um, for better or worse, whether you think that's great or not, um, I think there's a new market for this car. I mean, let's face it. It is the car from uh, F from uh, Fast and the Furious Ferrari. You can't afford it, pal. Uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, why wouldn't you want an iconic car like this? Uh, the a minor accident, big whoop, uh, some repaint. So what? Um, what S2000 that the kid that bought this thing uh, before had, uh, you know, whatever. It's just I just don't think that stuff matters. And and. Uh, you know, Deep, thank you for not coming out. You and I go over this a lot on this show, and it's probably yeah. annoying for anybody that watches the show. You come out and say something like, this car has a bad Carfax, and I lose my <laughs> effing mind because uh, an accident on the Carfax is not the same as like a bad Carfax to me. And Paul, I'd like to get your opinion on this. When someone says bad Carfax, my brain goes to salvage title or theft recovery yeah. branded title. Bad, yeah. bad Carfax is not... There's an accident on the car. Um, minor so, damage. Yeah, yeah minor tracks. damage. What do you think of that, Paul? No, I, I, I agree with you, JP. You know, Dean, for the longest time, most of the clients, they would just see Carfax and you and they would they would do what you were talking about. They would yeah. just freak out and turn around and walk saw, out the door. Yeah, I saw things like windshield being replaced because they had an insurance policy. Right. You know, having a Carfax and it just got to be neurotic. In fact, we're getting a nine six four turbo right now. And the owner spent two months and thousands of dollars fighting Carfax because there was an error in the odometer. It's not even an accident. It was yeah. just an error mm -hmm. in the odometer that he has the, the proof. And it's just been a nightmare. And and I think it's because people put too much credence on it. And I always say that if Carfax existed be, before 81, 
90% of the early 9-11s that we love would not be on the road because no one would bother <laughs> restoring one with a Carfax. That's, that, and, that's, a, man, that's a great take. Yeah. And it's a shame. And it's a shame. And I tell people all the time that – and I think, JP, like what you said, because they're now segmenting what the Carfax is and they're realizing that if we drive these cars, crap's going to happen. And, yeah. and I think it's, so long as it's fixed right and it's not a salvage title – I think there's going to be a little more forgiving in the future because like, what are you left buying? Yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. when that's... you're talking about classic and, and uh, collectibles, right? Yeah. And I think we, as we've ventured down the road and covered a lot of cars with issues on their car faxes, uh, we're bearing that out. I mean, even in the seven months, eight months we've been doing the show, we're seeing that, uh, you know, closer to premium retail values are being achieved with cars that have had issues. And this Ferrari, seems poised to be further evidence of that take. So thank you, Paul. That's, that's good stuff. All right, let's get to the next car. Let's get to some Porsches. Uh, like, yeah. the, like our friends at Peacock Market would call it a Porsche. You got it. Yeah. You like the Porsches, Michael? D How about oh you, God. Paul Kramer? You like the Porsches? Yeah. A, a, a little bit. Just yeah, a little well, bit. He likes the Porsches. <laughs> and so the Doug Datsuns that look like Ferraris. Anyways, moving on. Okay. What are Doug DeMiro has a car. Uh, <laughs> Doug DeMiro has a car for us. It's a 1987 Porsche 944 Turbo. Uh, internal code 951. Uh, this car has 97,000 miles. It's offered to us out of Goshen, Kentucky. Uh, and that's it. There, that's Straight up, we're looking at a Flamingo metallic car with a burgundy interior. No modifications, no Carfax, no runs, no drips, no errors. Uh, this is just a straight up high mile, clean, nice condition, 951. There you go. Um, oh, I take it back. There is this car collided with a fence in 1991, uh, <laughs> resulting in it's minor damage. It's got a bad car Run for the hills. Oh my gosh. Blah blah blah. Whatever. <laughs> All right. My first question. Carfax. Carfax jokes aside. My first question is: the following year, they came out with a car that looked exactly like this, called the Silver Rose. Is Flamingo Metallic? as close to silver rose as I think it is by looking at these photos, or is it just because he took this car, took photos of this car in the golden hour. It looks like silver rose in the images and flamingo metallic is actually a very different color than silver rose, which I would describe as a silver lavender metallic combination. But Paul, you're the expert. What do you think? Am I tripping or is that the same color no, by a different name? It looks, it looks a little darker than silver rose, more rose than silver. Um, okay. I'm, actually never seen flamingo metallic um i actually sent this car this morning to a good friend of mine yeah and i called it because uh, he's had a dilemma buying a 944 turbo and i called it a uh, fence sitter um yeah for, for obvious reasons for uh, sure and i i thought that was hilarious that it hit a fence and i actually noted that um but this uh yeah i've never seen this color before he was out because I think it takes a big man to drive that color, but I, I'd be up for it. Cause I oh, I would drive it. I, Paul, I told you, I, I was uh, pandering to you the last time you were on that I almost bought your silver rose. Uh, and when I called you, uh, when I called you back to say I wanted to do it, it was sold. And I, I yeah. regretted that decision. But um, here, here, help me out here. India Red is Guards Red by another name. And I'm guessing that the name change has something to do with uh, – 
uh, what is it? The, the, the EPA changes the chemical recipes that are tolerated in paints. Yeah. So when you stop using lead as a safety for an easy argument, uh, you, you're going for the same recipe because the chemicals are different. You're never going to achieve the exact same color. So they change the name, even though it's the name shade, same shade, basically. So it, is it possible to think that Flamingo could be Silver Rose by a different recipe? You know, I, I just pulled up, I just Googled imaged uh, Fl Flamingo Metallic. And yeah. believe it or not, I think the pictures in general I see just through Google Images look more like Silver Rose than the, the car here on Cars and Bids. Yeah, because um, it's what, the golden hour. Yeah, I think I think you might be right. It, it could yeah. be – or like if you remember through the early to mid-80s on the 911s, they had all these different versions of burgundy from wine red metallic to yep. velvet Ruby, red. Rubino. And they're all, they all just a, a tad different. I mean this yeah. is like – you know, got two more drops of, you know, whatever German, you know, A negative yeah. blood or something. Who knows? <laughs> Very All cool. right, guys, well, where's this car going to land? Michael D, what's the number on this thing? Thank you for nerding out with me on the paint stuff. I love this. Uh, uh, I like this car, JP. I feel like this is a poor man's silver rose. Uh, you don't have quite the same horsepower, quite the same uh, suspension, but you got the D90s. You got the full burgundy interior. Uh, I love the front end of the turbos over the uh, bumper counterparts of the early cars. Um, this to me seems like a fantastic value. With an hour to go, uh, it's sitting at 13400 on 11 bids. So there's a little bit of action, but I still think it's a value. Now, I put $17,000 last night, and Doug DeMiro doesn't get late rushes, and this car does have a weird thing on the Carfax, but I, I like this car. I think it's a great value. So I'm going to stay seventeen grand to you, Paul, which I know is high, but where are you at? Yeah, um, I'm highly motivated because I just bought an 88 944 Turbo S uh, last Thursday. So Ooh, very cool. And it's not silver rose. It's white on black, which is nice. uh, that's still hot. And, and my friend who I sent this to, you know, he looked at a hundred thousand mile one that was going for fifteen. I look at this one, and my biggest concern, just briefly looking it over, I mean, it doesn't say anything about the timing belt water pump, which we know can be yep. expensive. Yep. And the other big issue, if anyone's ever dealt with it, the the trans um, doing the clutch on these cars is is really expensive. Oh, and I don't good see. Enough anything about that and i mean those two things together could easily be five to six grand of services yeah. and or a third of the I value mean, you're gonna spend here i'm i'm gonna say 15.5 is is max and that's okay. just because of the color someone thinks it's a silver rose yeah, yeah good take where are you at jp uh I'm, i know uh, you love these paul is right on no service records uh so i'm gonna go 14.5 uh this color if this were on bat everyone would be freaking out oh my god the, the yeah. rose whatever cassis blah 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 but on cars and bids most people are gonna be like yeah the pink porsche uh so yeah i just don't think the audience is there the one thing i will commend cars and bids for is they finally changed their interface their user interface a little bit i'm terribly excited about this if those of you have been watching the show anytime we profile a car on cars and bids usually i have to like zoom in and stretch the the photo out and i still have all the toolbars on the top because but they finally changed it so that we can go pretty much full screen so thank you doug demiro for finally changing something on the aesthetic side of your site oh, yeah. uh, for the better which is rare for doug demiro because aesthetics are not his jam all right um moving on what's the next car we got there michael deeb all right, so JP, we're going to go over to Bring a Trailer and look at a Mercedes-Benz that is near and dear to my heart because mm. I purchased a 93 Mercedes-Benz 500E 
uh, and then handed the booklet of lease payments over to my dad, and I took his 190 <laughs> uh, 16-valve in exchange. So we swapped cars. Um, but I loved the 500E. So um, what we're looking at here is a 1994 E500, which is the same car. It's just they changed the uh, model nomenclature uh, and swapped and put the E in the front. Um, there was one physical change to the E500 in 1994, and that is that they gave it the brake calipers, the brake package off an SL600, um, which was a minor upgrade. Otherwise, these cars are the same cars that they had been building for two, three, maybe even four years in Europe. And that is to say that they took the uh, five liter V8 out of the SL Mercedes and shoehorned it into the W124 platform, what was essentially a 300E. Now, these guys didn't quite know how to do it, and they asked the engineers from Porsche to help them design a cradle so that this motor would fit. And so Porsche had to widen the track on these cars, uh, design a suspension, and help Mercedes shoehorn this motor into this car to create what I consider, and Jason Kamisa just did a little expose on this car, the greatest sports sedan the world had ever known up to that point. Um, JP, I don't know if you've ever driven one of these. Paul, I'm sure you have. These are fantastic cars. Don't let the fact that they have a slow-moving, four-speed, slushback, automatic transmission, that has nothing to do with the driving experience in these cars. Um, they are agile. They are peppy. They have um, incredible road feel. They're just dynamic in every way. They feel like they're just the right size. It's like the perfect automobile. If you had to have one car to live with for the rest of your life, you would enjoy driving every single mile until you go. Um, if it is an E500, in this case, uh, E500 or a 500E. I love this thing. This one's offered out of Hilliard, Ohio. It's got 112,000 miles on the odometer. It looks to be pretty clean. Uh, if it's not rusted out, and there is some report of a little bit of rust on this car, um, if it's not rusted all the way through, this could be a good value. If the rust is reason to walk away, there's plenty of them in the marketplace because they brought them into the United States for three years. I love this car. I cannot fawn over it enough. What do you think? You must have sold one or two of these, haven't yeah. you, Paul? I have, and I actually owned a 92 for about two years and then sold to my friend. It, and it's still one of the, what I call daily driver sedans I miss. Um, yeah. uh, and I, I, I will have another one. I, the 94 or the, the 94 has also got kind of the better looking headlights, a little more oh, yeah. Euro looking yeah. headlights. But the other thing was, I was always under the impression that the 92, 93s, they were faster. There was something different EPA about them. Yeah. And they had Here, a little I more power. Yeah, so they, the 92s and 93s had like 325 horsepower, 345 torque. In 94, it went down to 315 horsepower, and torque rose to like 347. And I, I'm not sure what that was, but that was true for that motor across the entire range. So in the SL, in the S-Class, that's how the specs bore out. So, you know, I don't know if that translated to faster <laughs> slips at the track, but, um, you know, there you go. On paper, it was a little bit different horsepower. And Americans lose their mind when you start robbing them of horsepower. So, yes, you know, yeah, uh, whatever. And, it, and torque's more important. I think the big question, if you guys have ever trolled over on the 500E forum, I mean, those guys eat their young. They are yeah. just vicious. And yeah. I've seen 500Es that I thought looked pretty good just get decimated because of the 500E forum. Um, and I never quite figured out, but they're, they're pretty ruthless in general. Um, nice. They are helpful, but I haven't, <laughs> looked, I mean, I've told everyone, Hey, before you buy a 500E on, on an auction site or any site, just go to the forum because and they look seem for the to fin. know, they know everything about them. 
The other yeah. thing about this car that's, if I remember, is kind of unusual is most of them were that uh, black pearl charcoal. And this mm -hmm. one, I think, is just black, which is actually, if I remember, kind of rare. Mm -hmm. It is very rare. Most of them were what they called it blue Schwartz, right? And it's the it's that dark gray metallic no, it, with the no. It's called a black pearl or Schwartz pearl metallic. It, it yeah, looks okay. like yeah. it, they call everyone thinks it's it, it's like a, a anthracite charcoal color. Yeah, right, 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 right. That's what color ours was. We had the the parchment interior, which actually looked really good with the black dash. But a but a black on black one like this is unusual. But the rust uh, that is mentioned in this listing kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah, but so, we just anyways. saw. I've been going through a bunch of photos underneath. It's there's no rust in this car. I mean, there might be That's, a teeny bit of surface on a bolt or two. But you know, your guys on the 500e forum or e500 forum or whatever, they're the same as the pleated pants jerks that uh, won't buy a Ferrari because it has, uh, you know a sticky button or something like that so screw those guys uh yeah. this car looks amazing <laughs> one of the things that i really uh think is interesting about this car isn't the car at all what i think is interesting is the the idea that in the mid or early 90s mercedes and porsche worked together on a car is there a situation we have a bunch of car experts on this show can you guys think of a time that ford and chevrolet worked together to build a car or dodge and uh you know and and ford or something like that i mean that just yeah. uh, you see them working with japanese manufacturers all the time because the american guys are like oh well we don't know how to make cars so let's hire some japanese guys to do it um and uh, but they're but it seems like it would be too big a hit on their ego to go to the Europeans or worse, their counterpart right across the street in Detroit. Right. Paul, is there any example that you can think of to the contrary? Um, I mean, no. There, if you remember, I mean, obviously Porsche did the Audi RS2 and they actually did quite and a in the few same projects. Time yeah. And I think what, if you remember, Porsche was literally on the brink of closing their doors. They were almost yeah. out of business. Right. And I think they, they just swallowed their pride and they would do anything to keep their engineers busy pay their employees and keep the doors take. open. Yeah. And as a result, I mean, you look at the 500E and the RS2, I mean, that is one of the blessings of that shitty time for them. Yeah, yeah it's exactly right. It's Wait, interesting too. Go ahead, JP. Well, I was going to say the Tiptronic in a 996 is a Mercedes unit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yes. so is the 928 automatic as yeah. well. Yeah. The, uh, these cars took 18 days to build in 1992 because in 1992, Mercedes would take these cars, drive them by truck over to, because there was no train to get across Stuttgart. They would truck them over to Stuttgart and Porsche would do the assembly of the suspension units for these cars so that the motors would fit. And then they would go back to Mercedes for final assembly. They only did that in 92. In 93 and 94, Mercedes took that tooling from Porsche and brought it in-house. So the 92s, in my humble opinion, uh, down the road, if you have a low-mile, spectacular condition 92, it should bring a premium over the 93 and 94 counterparts because they were physically assembled by Porsche engineers. Guys, so what's this thing going to sell for? Yeah, I agree. I, I, I got to jump in there. We got to move it along. What's, uh, what's, the, what's this thing going to – what's the number? All right, so I put 37, and this car is not looking so good, JP. It's at 22.7 right now with three and a half hours to go. That's plenty of time for me to reconsider my bid. But since we have two other guests on today, I'm going to swallow my parade and say, I hope this car gets there. It'll be a good value even at that price. $37,000 to you, Paul, but it's got a long way to go. Yeah, I actually think the the it looks like some of the bidders are just 
going after the rust comments and, and exasperating it. And I think that is going, even though recently there was one that did remarkably well, a local LA car that was great, uh, yeah. but it was a great car. I think this car is just going to barely get over 30, like 31. Uh, all right. There you go. Good, good take. I'll take 30. JP. Yeah, I mean, oh, wow. I, and, uh, you know, not that I think it's a poor car, but uh, if uh, I, I'm just going off your lead there, Paul, because I didn't know that uh, the people that follow these were that crazy. So that's interesting. And crazy people do crazy things. And we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. All right, JP, we've got two more cool cars to go. Let's uh, let's do the 2005 Porsche 911 Carrera S Coupe. Uh, that is offered to us on Bring a Trailer out of Manhasset, New York, with just 25,000 miles on the odometer. So what we're looking for, what we're looking at here is a 9971 Coupe S with a six-speed manual that has two particular options that I thought were spectacular. One, it's a it's got ceramic brakes that cost $8,200 back in 2005, and it has the adaptive sports seats, which I love. JP, I think you love because you and I have the same body type and these seats fit us and make us feel like it's like a tailored suit when you get in these things. Um, interesting note that this double black car uh, has um, two sets of wheels with it. So it looks like it came on the 19-inch lobster claws and then he sourced a set of these other 19-inch. Sorry. sorry about that. Go ahead, Paul. That's all right. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I, um, I disconnected myself. No worries. No worries. Happens all the time. Um so, JP, the 19s that are on the car, what are the name of those 19-inch wheels? I forget. Oh, those are the – aren't those the Carrera Classics? Uh, the ones that are on your car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought it was like, yeah, Carrera, Carrera Classics or Sport Yeah, I'm pretty Classics. sure it's a Sport so, – yeah, I so think this it's Carrera guy, Classic. I think it's Sport ones are those multi-thing. Anyways, yeah. So he fitted these Carrera Classic 19s on there, and the lobster claws are included in the sale. So you get two sets of 19s. Hmm. You get the adaptive sport seats, full leather interior, the IMS – a bearing was done in 07 uh and you've got ceramic brakes i just feel like jp if i could gift wrap you this car as an early birthday present i would this thing just screams awesome i love the build it's it's just a good looking car low miles ims is done what more could you possibly want from your 997 carrera s with a six-speed manual look at that ceramics oh man what do you think paul uh, will somebody pay the premium that yeah, this car you know, we I think deserves all of last year, I was screaming to all of my clients, buy a 997.1 S or 4S, because I thought they were just too cheap. And I actually bought one in November. And unfortunately, someone waved a bunch of money in front of me in face in February, and I sold it. Um, and I was literally had a deposit on another 05S that I was going to buy last Thursday. And it turned out to not be the car I was looking for and ended up buying the GT3 fortuitously. Um, I'm glad it worked out. But... Now I think, yeah, this car's outside of being like slate gray metallic or white or a really desirable color. Black's decent. Um, it's not the top tier color. But other than that, it kind of checks all the boxes. Um, Ooh, yeah. I, I think based on what 997.1 prices have been doing on Bring a Trailer, I think we've got a ways to go. This is going to be, I mean, it, everything really looks decent. Clean Carfax. The, the hardware on the underside isn't all cracked out, rusted, like you see on most of them. Um, I don't know if it was always in New York or if it was somewhere else. Um, and ceramic brakes these days bring a premium. Uh, people used to be afraid of them, and now they're not. Yeah. All right, JP, guys, where's it going to land? 
JP, do you have any any love for this car? Is it does this make you happy to see all these cool things on one coupe yeah, like that? I mean, it's a it's a 997.1S. I I had one. I'm kind of like you, Paul. I sold one way too soon, uh, and they went crazy in price. I have a 9972, uh, but it's a it's a cab, but it's a manual, you know. And you know, I'm not a cabriophobe, so I love the car. But uh, look, this car is blue chip. I think the black color uh is you're right is not the co- it's not one of those colors that gets everyone excited but at the same time it's not divisive at all i mean it's just like a black 911 how can you go wrong talk about the bad guy car that i was talking about before everyone is going to love this car and i think that means that there's going to be a bigger audience for it i mean a cassis color and paint the sample would that be worth more i guess but fewer people want it um you know in fact i wouldn't even i wouldn't buy one uh but in all black like this heck yeah this is great. So where's it going to land guys? So JP, I, again, I, I was so excited to present this car to you this morning because there's a lot to like here. Low mm-hmm. miles, bows, seats, ceramics, and a stick on an S. Uh, I thought this was fantastic and it's, it's your favorite color. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm high on this car as well. I, I really like all the cars today. I wish my garage had every one of these cars <laughs> in it. Um, so I'm going to go for $57,000 and I'll, I'll start to shrink if Paul bids over me, I'll think I maybe left some money on the table. So where are you at, Paul? I'm going to give you 57000 on the 05S. I think the adaptive sports seats and the ceramics and the miles, um, I think it's going to push it a little more. I think it might get to 58. Ah! <laughs> there you go. I don't think yeah. it's worth, yes. personally, I don't think it's worth 58. I think there's other things I'd rather have, but... Uh-huh. You know, it's got low miles too, right? I mean, this is a this is yeah, guys. I this car is all the things. I think they would have been better off. I think the seller would have been way better off putting the lobster uh, claws back on because that is the car. That is the wheel that fits this car. It says Mark One. This with these wheels, it kind of looks like. "Eh, Is this a Mark Two? I don't know. Whatever. Uh, I'm saying sixty. This car is going to bring all the money. Black on black sport adaptives with the ceramics would have definitely brought sixty if they had the the. I almost. I almost went to 60 and I would have with the, with the lobster forks because now they're getting love. I know I had to buy a pair and they were actually hard to find again. Yeah. Wow. That's nice that they're included in the sale. Uh, Great lot. I would be very happy to own that car. All right. uh, Last uh, but not least, here's one that's uh, right in your guys' wheelhouse. Also, I bring a trailer. Uh, JP offered up this 1980 Porsche 911 SC Targa out of uh, his hometown, Seattle, Washington. Uh, By all accounts, the 68,000 miles that are shown on this car are original. Um, That's about it. There's there's no stories here. Uh, The biggest thing is he converted to the uh, R134A on the AC. Uh, but the Fuchs are there. Um, uh, there's still some Cosmoline underneath, although it looks like it's been serviced. Uh, the suspension has been slightly refreshed. I think there's new Bilstings on the front. Uh, silver black car, no nonsense, no stories. Just an honest to goodness uh, SC Targa with decent low miles. Um, I don't think those are the sports seats. Uh, Paul, correct me if I'm wrong. That's the standard seat, right? Yeah, yeah. Those are just the regular, regular seats. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, COA is included. All the books are present. Very nice car, very nice condition. And we've seen SCs trending in the right condition, right trajectory. They're moving up market. Uh, so, Paul, take it away. What, what, what am I missing here? This, is, this should be a pretty good, spectacular yeah. example, right? I mean, I think, first of all, this owner could have really benefited from professional photography. Um, Thank you. His, his underside shots, I mean, he could not have picked the worst angle. It, I have a feeling, you're right, this is probably a really good car. And... 
my big question also is going to be with, with these SCs, they need chain tensioner upgrades and a couple other goofy things to, for them to get to 60,000 miles. I, I couldn't tell in the engine photos. That's why I was scrambling to look at to see if chain tensioners were on there. And I think that'll scare a lot of buyers because they don't know what it is. They just know that it needs to be done. Sure. And, and they think it's really expensive. It's a couple thousand dollars, but I couldn't tell in the pictures. Yeah. Um, but I, I do like the car. I think I think it's generally pretty decent car. Um, and I think silver on a target on an SC is actually really rare. Almost all of them are wow. red, black, and black and white. Silver was or brown, lots of browns, but silver was yep. not cool by the early eighties, late seventies at all. Um, and the other thing to think about, and, th and this has sort of been my weird um, uh, bring a trailer postulate, which is cars that sold previously on bring a trailer. You know, this yeah. car sold last June and right. actually the, the, the company that sold it did really good photography and it only sold for 48,000 last June. Right. But last June was really the tail end of people just in, in, uh, you know, COVID, panic, ba panic, panic mode, mode. Yeah. Bambi and headlights. And, yeah. and then they woke up after that. So I, I think it's, I think it's got a little ways to go. I don't think it's going to do crazy. Um, but you know, it looks like a good car. I think someone who, who buys this is probably gonna be pretty happy, you know, so long as the engine stuff's good. There you go. Yeah, I'm trying to find a picture where you can see if the chain tensors are, uh, have been done. And you're right, the, the the air conditioning unit is in the way, and uh, I just can't tell. So uh, I will say that uh, I'll play a little video. Once again, it's like presentation is everything, and I like that this guy has a driving video on here. But it's one of those videos where the guy is all like one-handed and shifting through the gears and stuff like that. Nothing turns me off faster. He's like, oh, is this is a really cool owner, and then I'll... Nope, I guess not, and uh, I can't get to the video here. So, where's this car going to land, you guys? All right, JP, I'm uh, I'm all in on this car too. I, I like I said, I really love every single car we uh, have covered today, and this one is no exception. Um, JP has had a silver Targa, but I think his was a mid-year. Uh, yep. So it's interesting. I really appreciate your take that silver on an SC is not common. And uh, for that reason, I'm going to stay high on this one as well. I'm going to go fifty-five thousand dollars because. We've just been seeing SCs lately bring pretty good money for the good ones. The, the, the beat-up ones are still languishing, but the really nice ones are getting a premium. So I'm confident in my bid. Paul, what do you think? I th yeah, I, normally I would say because it only sold for 48 last time, but it was really well presented that it's not going to go more than 52. That's what I would normally say. But I think the market has changed a lot. I think a lot of buyers are going to be using the old ad to actually see what the car but, you know, really might look like um, cleaned up yep. a little more. And as a result, I think it's going to go for 58,000. Wow. What was, what was your number uh, deep? 55 and Paul's 58. And where's it at now? Uh, it's at. Yeah, it's at 50. 50, even. 50, 50 with three already? hours. Yeah, with like wow. three hours to go. Jeez, yeah. Louise. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go 54. I, I think it has real potential. But I'm with you. I don't think anybody's going to care about the chain tensor. I don't think that – I think two-thirds of the people looking at this car don't even know what that is. They just see low-mile SD. <laughs> uh, I love this car. It's a Targa. It's a Cabrio for Cabrio-phobes. Uh, so there it is, guys. Yeah. Uh, that's, some pr that's a pretty good lot of cars. Paul, what do you think of our selection today? I mean, like, like, uh, Michael said this, I would like to have all of these in the garage or at least oh to go in all yeah. of them. 
Yeah. I mean, they're all really, really good cars. Um, and uh, and if I if money was no object and and I couldn't sell anything, I'd keep the five hundred E. That would yeah, exactly. wow. Absolutely. That's the one you'd keep, huh? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's the I'm car of the Paul. day. All I can. Right. Well, we, that's like, that's like a cradle to, Yeah, that's a cradle <laughs> to grave car. You can you know you can age out nicely in that car. Absolutely. You're always going to look good driving that car around. That is true. Um, all it, right. It really, it really is like the uh, M491 of the W124 platform. The fender flares are really beautiful on that car. And and if you and JP, have you ever driven one? Uh, I haven't. Uh, sadly, I, I've been in one, but you know, I think when I rode in one, I don't, I don't think I even knew really how special it was. So I really need yeah. to get behind the wheel of one of these. I, I know they're legendary. Uh, yeah, I want one. <laughs> I, uh, we we were in Monterey, and my uh, Jeff St. Clair was looking at one in Monterey to buy, and he drove it around, didn't get it. So we went behind the Kmart parking lot in Monterey, and I mm. showed him how to put in a first gear lockout. Yeah, it just didn't, it did a burnout as long as I held my foot on the ground. Wow, it was just crazy, glorious. Well, let me ask you <laughs> yeah. this: uh, you know, Michael Deep has like a really nice Cosworth uh, one ninety, uh, and that yeah. car handles amazing, and it's a manual, and it's all the fun things that you would expect from a like a DTM style car like that. Uh, but it's got these squishy seats that like make you feel like yeah. the body is doing all this body roll, but it's just the seats. The seats are squishy because they're Mercedes yeah. seats. Yeah. Uh, is the, does the E 500 have the same issue or do they have? Seats no, that are no. So, like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be as much, but the, um, I own two Cosworth cars <laughs> and I really love those cars and tried to love it enough to keep one forever. Mm. And the problem is what we got in the U S was so horrifically poor compared to what the Europeans got. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Delta between an M three Euro and M three us was far less than what we got as Mercedes Cosworths. And yeah. they were just all the, all the, the character of that motor was just sucked away. And Camissa, Com- Jason Camissa has a European one ninety two point three. His car makes 23 more horsepower and has 150 pounds less, you know, dead weight for, you know, electric windows and electric seats and all this other nonsense. And then, of course, he's got the, the plaid interior that we never got in the yep. U.S. Um, and that makes a huge difference just, you know, stock to stock. I mean, at 20 horsepower in a car that makes less than 200, that's that's yep. 10%. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, big it's a big difference. And then, you know, 150 pounds again out of a 2,800-pound car. Oh, that makes another big difference. But, and I think the other problem with that was it, it, the horsepower was lower because the the compression dropped. And so you lose everything on throttle response. I mean, everything yeah. about that motor, which is a high revving, should be a high compression motor, is just right. neutered. Right. Exactly right. Yeah, it's a bummer. All right, fellas. Well, that is a bid nerds for a Tuesday. Paul Kramer from Auto Kennel, a, an expert on the show, which is just rare. Paul, anything you want to plug before we uh, end the show? Yeah, just go to uh, Auto Kennel website or at Auto Kennel on uh, Instagram, and you'll see all of our frivolity and fun stuff we're doing. Cool. Absolutely. Check out Auto Kennel. They always have the coolest cars. Great photography. The cars there are always spectacular. And uh, Paul, you're a driver, and that's why you're our people. Or maybe <laughs> oh we want to be your people. Thank I don't God. know. It's probably the latter. Yeah. Uh, hey, everybody, if you get a chance, check out uh, Porsche Road Trip on Pluto TV. That's a TV show that uh, just dropped on demand. It's uh, going to be live on the Chassis Network. It's not really live, but it'll technically premiere on the Chassis Network on the 28th of May. Uh, but you can see the 
the entire first season on demand. So just go to the on demand section of Pluto TV on your smart TV today. Also, I got to dip out because I'm going to go hang out with our friends at DWA driving while awesome uh, podcast. So I got to end the show. Michael deep. Thank you very much. You guys, one awesome. last thing before I uh, head out, anybody want to say anything else? Paul, thank nope. you so much, man. Great to see yeah, you. Yeah, thank you for having me, guys. And uh, JP, I love the new uh, the new show on Pluto. It's pretty cool. Oh, awesome. thanks, man. Thank you so much. Thank we really Paul. appreciate it. Paul, are you going to come out to our premiere at the end of the month? We're having a big party on the 25th. Yeah, um, red, I, walk the red yeah no, I, I really, really wanted to come out. I'm actually uh, going to be possibly doing a filming for Magnus's mm. next big thing. Oh, okay. Got oh, it. Right with, my, with my Azuzu impulse. Good luck, man. With your good impulse. Luck. All oh, right. That sounds awesome. great. <laughs> yeah. Tell him to bring right. the whole show out to Vegas. We'll have a really good time. All right, fellas. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks so much, guys. Paul. No! See you next time. Get those words!